So the other day I was having a nice conversation with a woman. It was about the weather. Suddenly she looked me in the eye and she said, don't you dare say that four-letter word. She was referring to the word fall. Over the past week, I've heard several people lament it out loud. I can't believe summer is over. It's back to the daily grind. Well, I think getting back to work and school is even harder this year. That's because last fall we were still half working from the waist up via Zoom. Don't you dare say that four-letter word, fall, she said to me. To which the old preacher counters with, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. I'm reminded of an incident that happened one Labor Day weekend. I was sitting on the beach watching a small boy and his father build a giant sandcastle. The child was about four years old, a tiny toe head with pudgy legs wearing a baggy red bathing suit. Together, they very carefully created a marvelous edifice with several stories and four watchtowers. And it was close enough to the water that they were able to surround it with a working moat that circulated the tide in one side and out the other. After the initial foundation was complete, they began working on the central spire. They made it to look very ornate by carefully dripping tier upon tier of wet sand from base to tip. Two hours later, it was finished, the castle of a lifetime. Except for one thing, it needed a flag. Every castle needs a flag. So as the child stood there in rapturous awe, absorbed in the world of dragon and dungeons, Dad added the finishing touch, a seagull feather. They were both so enthralled with the whole process, neither noticed that the tide was rising. You guessed it the unexpected wave. With one fell swoop, it flooded the moat and sent the whole castle crashing into the sea. It was a total loss. I'll never forget seeing that. The little boy standing there with tears streaming down his cheeks, watching his dream literally wash away. And I don't think he'll ever forget it either. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to seek and a time to lose. This is the time of the year when many of us experience a kind of elemental loss. It's almost indescribable, but we feel it. We happily spring into summer, but summer into fall is always a little harder. That's because the fall season reminds us that there is an ebb and flow to life, a process of gain and loss, and there is simply no avoiding it. In her landmark book, Necessary Losses, Judith Vorse put it perfectly. To be human is to experience loss. We grow into fullness as human beings only to the extent that we cope with a lifetime of losses the little losses as well as the big ones. With honesty and humor, she writes, life means letting go of one thing after another, our waistlines, our 2020 vision, our trust in justice, our dream of being a tennis star or a TV star or a senator. We give up hoping to read all the books we once were bound to read, and we let go of all the places we once vowed to visit. 
We grow into fullness as human beings only to the extent that we cope with a lifetime of losses. I'm reminded of the day my daughter was born. It was a long, drawn-out, agonizing delivery. And when the moment finally came and I saw Sophie's face for the first time, I was speechless. And then it happened. Without warning, the OB looked over at me and said, do you want to cut the cord? It was a moment suspended in time. Like a kite with a broken string, in that instant, our daughter began the slow process of taking leave from us. A lifelong process that continued over the years, from cutting the umbilical cord to leaving her with a babysitter for the first time. Or the first time we let her ride her bike to school, she never knew we stayed back and trailed her the whole way. Or the first time she drove a bunch of friends to the movies, the sound of the garage door opening late that night was the equivalent of hearing the hallelujah chorus. Dropping her off at college was another huge letting go. And I'm guessing the next big separation will be when I walk her up the aisle. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. We grow into fullness as human beings only to the extent that we cope with a lifetime of losses. And that process of letting go continues when we sell our home or move in with our kids or into senior living, or that dreaded day when we have to give up our driver's license. Bottom line, sooner or later, entropy wins. We all get creaky and squeaky and slow down. And you know what? That's a gift. That's the gift of long life. I read a sweet little article by Dr. Thomas Hawking, who on the eve of his retirement remembered the words of our first hymn for this morning. Time like an ever-rolling stream bears all its sons away. Reflecting on that verse, he said, I do not find these words discordant or negative in any way but rather somewhat soothing and reassuring. Time like an ever-rolling stream bears all its sons and daughters away. Case in point, the first reading for this morning. When the curtain opens up, Moses is on top of a mountain. He is an old man nearing the end of his life. He and Sarah spent four decades dragging the children of Israel around the desert. Just like parents, they had to deal with their constant whining. Imagine hearing 40 years of, are we there yet? Moses was their minister, their lawyer, their cheerleader, and their shrink. He married some and buried others. And along with Sarah, even babysat their children and grandchildren. And now the long-awaited day had come after 40 years. Standing on top of that mountain, Moses could actually see the promised land that place he'd always vowed to visit. It was a dream come true, or so he thought. And then it happened. Suddenly he hears the voice of God, the bittersweet voice of God saying, this is the land that I promised to your ancestors, and I have let you see it with your own eyes, but you shall never go over to it. Life means letting go of one thing after another, including all the places we vowed to visit, including our trust in justice. 
was shortly after God gave Moses the bittersweet news. Moses, a servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab. And the Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days, much like people are doing for the queen right now. And when the period of mourning for Moses had ended, Joshua became their new leader. He became their new minister. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. So I'd like to suggest to you this morning that there are also what are called irrational seasons. Irrational seasons where life is suddenly cut short. When we wake up in late October and see snow on the roses. When the ski resorts, instead of opening for Thanksgiving, do not open until way after Christmas. And it occurs to me that irrational seasons are often caused by human beings. Case in point, global warming. And I would suggest to you this morning that the loss and grief caused by September 11, 2001 is a tragic reminder that there are also personal seasons cut short by human beings. On the final page of her book, Judith Force writes, we cannot deeply love anything without becoming vulnerable to loss. Or in the words of the late Queen Elizabeth, In her tribute to the victims and families of September 11, she said the following, Grief is the price we pay for love. There is no escaping it. Grief is the price we pay for love. We all have our memories of that day, and I know I do. Some of us knew people who lost their lives in the buildings and on the planes. On this day, for the past 21 years, I remember Jimmy and his family. He worked for Cantor Fitzgerald. I was the officiant at his wedding to Lisa on September 11, 1999. The little Compton sanctuary where I married him was too small for his memorial service, so the family borrowed a church with double the capacity just outside New York City. They asked me to deliver the homily. There was well over 1,000 people in attendance. I had not seen Jimmy or Lisa since the wedding. After all those guests were finally seated, the ushers led the immediate family down the center aisle up to the front pews. And I'll never forget it. Lisa was the first one in line. She would... She was eight months pregnant. For everything, there is a season and a time to be born and a time to die. No. No. Truth is, it was not Jimmy's time to die. It was not his season. His death was irrational. And yet, paradoxically, we all felt it that day. Jimmy's irrational season was cradled. It was cradled in the season of Lisa's pregnancy. And so what we all felt was profound hope cradling deep despair. Like so many victims of September 11, Jimmy's remains were never found. But the family still wanted a place to go where something of him was treasured and remembered 
So we had a burial anyway. As I recited the words of interment, they all placed cards and letters and notes and even golf balls into his ground, tucking them all in with fresh flowers. A few weeks later, baby Isabel was born. The following summer, I baptized her on the beach. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And so it was for that little boy standing on his beach, standing there awash with tears, watching his sandcastle melt away. And what did his father do? He did what any red-blooded father would do. He cradled the child in his arms and whispered, how about we go get an ice cream? And it worked. Sort of. The boy stopped crying. But as they were walking away, I saw the child looking back over his shoulder to that place where his beautiful castle once stood. With one arm around his father and the other holding the seagull feather, he looked back to that moment in time where he experienced his first loss, where he began his journey of loving and losing of becoming fully and freely human.